This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a community access media station. Thank you to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible. We are live at five with a study in literacy. How long have you been wanting to say live at five for? I have been saying it for the last three months. Every time I send a message to friends and family that's saying that we're going live, I always say we're going live at five. Live at five. Live at five. Okie dokie then. Uh, I'm Luke. I'm Jill. And uh, yeah, we're here back to, we're here back and back here yeah. to talk about books and literacy and yeah. the written word. And, and the show is called A Study in Literacy. Whatever. We don't do much studying, but we do no. do some, we do do literacying. Well, st- half of study is the study groups, isn't it? So this yeah, could be like a study group. Yeah. It's yeah. a study duo. A study duo. We're, with new people uh, joining us every now and then. Yep. Watch uh, the space in the new year. Yeah. You were just saying that uh, Jeremy Roberts is keen to come back. He's yeah. got some uh, ideas. Andrew Harris is keen to come back. Yeah, Andrew seems super, oh, super keen, keen at the uh, at the Radio Kidnappers annual uh, celebration. Yeah, and awards. Do you want to get it off your chest and tell everyone what you won an award for? Well, I I forgot to do it uh, in the most recent recording for Inside the Digital World, the tech show where uh, uh, Mel, the community liaison for Radio Kidnappers, and I talk about tech news and stuff. Uh, but I forgot to say welcome to the award-winning yep. Inside the Digital World, where yeah, we won uh, twenty twenty uh, best newcomer award which is very vindicating. Uh, it, honestly, it, it feels weird because it's like I had uh, a dam built and getting the water, I was like, oh, it actually meant something. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't just me with a stupid show. And this dumb plan <laughs> that they stupidly said yes to. Yeah. You fools. Well, they said yes to this idea, so yes. apparently they take any sort of show here. Well, I mean, you, you're the one who came up with it. And I mean, I, and maybe the boss, so it was easy to convince myself we yes. needed it. You had a very uh, intense interview with yourself. I did. I asked myself all the right questions, all the hard questions, <laughs> all the like fun books? questions. Uh, are you a book? Well, no, one was, can you stay on topic? And I'm pretty sure I was like, no, but does it matter? That's right, because that's the, that's the point of the show. We don't stay on topic a huge amount, but no. uh, we always fall back or have some sort of interest or relevance. We always start on, like, before we go off on a tangent, we start on a relevant something, <laughs> so it, it counts. And that's how we hook everyone. Yes. Uh, because then they, five minutes later, they go, why am I listening to this? Yeah, and then they've probably started tonight going, what are they even talking about? Yeah. Uh, but no, you had, I think you had a couple of things that you I had did. in mind. So I didn't fully read one of the articles that I found, but it was someone has written a rather long article mm. on the Home Alone movie <laughs> and what it has to say about adulthood. Yep. Yep. Um, it, oh, really, a- really long. It's under crimereads.com. Which Crime Reads. It was an interesting... Spot for me to find it, I thought. I guess it makes sense because there is crime in there. Yeah. Um, the basic gist of the article that I got anyway was it was leading towards uh, do you as an adult really have the right to hurt someone like that if they're trying to get on your property? Mm, okay, morally, yeah. not legally. Yeah, morally. Because of course, legally, there's plenty of stuff out there. Yeah. And so, like, they start the article talking about, like, how. Seriously, how do parents actually forget the child and not yeah. notice till they're on the airplane? Well, the 
they they made it make sense. There's like a big I mean, uh, you've got to alert take, marker yeah. above that where they've got what do they have like eight children? Something like that. You've, you've just got to go hurry. with it. Yeah, they're I all think. in a hurry and they're forgetting all sorts of stuff and they yeah because yeah. I think because my sister and I we are the we the only kids in our uh, to our to our parents and we we when we went to Europe in 2005. Um, well, we went from Auckland to San Fran and then yep. over to Europe. Um, my my dad is a very meticulous person, and the father 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 McAllister I can't father remember what his name was. Was it like Dave or Ben or something? Oh, I can't remember. Where um, is it? No, he, they were like counting and everything, and I'm just like, yeah. oh, even with eight kids, I don't think my dad would forget because he'd have like a military roster. <laughs> You'd be checking them off as they go through check-in and boarding and all of that as well. Yeah, that's right. Um, I mean, I've been forgotten before, but not by my parents. I got forgotten by my mum once. I don't let her forget it sometimes. I, I mention it every now and then. I'd be bringing that up. I, I'm, not, I'm not genuinely hurt by it, but it's fun to, you know. <laughs> I, I used to get forgotten quite a lot when I was in girl guiding. Right. And people would have to pick me up. Uh-huh. And I'd be sitting waiting by the front window and I'd think, is that their car? And then I wouldn't like be like, oh no, I can't have been because okay. it didn't stop. And then the amount of times, like about a quarter of an hour late, they'd rock on up from the wrong direction. They'd be like, yeah, we got distracted and realised we hadn't picked it up. Like, <laughs> I can I, see where you I, get it from now. I don't know <laughs> about other people, but I'm quite loud and talky and chatty. How mm-hmm. do you not know you don't have me in the car? <laughs> it's not like I sit there quietly maybe, or anything. Maybe they thought that hell had frozen over and, uh, and the most insane thing had happened. And I was quiet? And that you'd learned how to... <laughs> I mean, there are instances where I have been quiet. It's normally when I've been quite sick. Some people probably say that same thing about me, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, hell must have frozen over because Luke's not speaking. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we're a good mix for this oh, show. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I did enjoy the article, though. It compared um, Kevin, the little kid, to Bugs Bunny and Roadrunner, Roadrunner always laying traps, and then oh, okay. Wiley Coyote and whoever Bugs was getting at the time. They'd get back Elmer up Fudd. again like it didn't hurt. Right. Which is not realistic. It was very cartoony, It yeah. was. Like, if you get smacked in the head by a, a full paint can mm. that swung down, that's a lot of momentum. It is, and they're heavy to start yep. with. The, you'd be... First, you'd have blood running down your face. You would. Uh, welcome to a study in gore. Um, <laughs> it's better than food and travel. <laughs> you'd be absolutely wrecked. That would be it. Yep. Maybe, maybe they were like D&D adventurers maybe. and they kept making, make, kept making their saving throws. And they, they just kept surviving all of these m- Not more taking more enough ridiculous. hit points. Um, there was I, even a spider involved. Yeah. <laughs> I did. Without, like, because I didn't, it's been a while since I've seen the movies, but I'd forgotten how much Kevin gets picked on by his family he as does, well. Yeah. And the author of the article does point out that she or he doesn't think that most parents would let that happen on mm. that larger scale, just like, yeah. oh, yeah, that's fine, oh, yeah, yeah that's fine. That at least every so often be like, oh, come on, guys. The, the, the bit that I remember is the bit about the pizza. Where they they either because it's sort of left ambiguous and it's not a big yeah. plot point, but it's sticking to it because I really like pizza, because I can relate to this where 
you know, if everyone got pizza, they got their own pizza, and Kevin wanted specifically just yes. a cheese pizza. And I know people who are just like, give me that cheese pizza, man. Do you oh, know what is the I best? Want. I used to always go to Pizza Hut, yep. and I'd get the triple cheese pizza, <gasps> add a ton of salt, and oh my gosh, so good. <laughs> Salty cheese. Salty cheese. The triple cheese, one cheese was not enough. And then you get stuffed crust with cheese. Yeah, this is obviously before I became gluten-free Didn't and dairy-free. do... It's either Domino's or Pizza Hut, either either one or both, did like a garlic bread crust. I think I missed that. That must have been when I couldn't have it. Uh, it was fairly recent. It yeah, was I wouldn't have been it. 12 months. Uh, it yeah. sounds yum. Oh, yeah, it does. And there are a few times that I, that I went to buy it and I'm like, I'm not paying five extra dollars. Because that's how much they would yes. do. It was like 365 bucks, some mm-hmm. crazy amount like that. A gluten-free base is three fifty extra. Mm, if you're wondering. Yikes! But it's by good the, though. By the way, food industry, stop charging extra for gluten-free products. Yeah. Uh, then people just like us, people have like when when we say, "Oh, I'd prefer chocolate." Yeah, well, they'd prefer not to just be horrendously sick. Yep. After eating your food. So, yeah, stop it with that yep. whole, like, 70 cents extra for soy milk. And I can fully say with all honesty that no boss of mine has taken me seriously when I've said, I need a pay rise because I can't pay for my right. food, which yep. is more than yours. Yep. And then one of them priced out one of my grocery shops. He's like, oh, mm-hmm. my God. Mm-hmm. He's like, that's how much you pay. I'm like, yes. That's right. I, uh, for, for the thing that I'm going to this evening, I got, because uh, we were we were given this big communal list like hey who can bring what and Ooh, I, I said like I said I'm going to be there like a little bit late so I'll get like um, chips and uh, lemonade like icebox um, so I went out and got some chips I did countdowns doing like a three for five thing on each of chips so I got that and I was like I, I remember there was a mention someone who's going is gluten free or prefers it or something so I was mm-hmm. like okay let's 350 yep for one bag yep uh, <laughs> that's, yep. Yeah, that's my it, life. It's special. It's like, ooh, 280. Ooh. I know. Whereas the, the, the normal people food is yeah. like on special for dollar twenty stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, so it's all the food industry. I don't blame you small businesses and stuff no. for doing it. I get it. You're not the ones who have to dictate uh, that sort of thing. It's running costs and... I do get annoyed at cafes that add $2 for a piece of gluten-free bread That's because I lot. know they keep it in the freezer so yeah. it's not going to go off. Right. And it really irritates them. It's like, you're going to charge me $2, you'll give me two slices of the smallest bread human yeah. has ever made. And they always do that. Yeah. At, pardon me. <laughs> at every restaurant and cafe, you always say, yeah. oh yeah, I'd like toast. And they give you a tiny little square yeah. of toast. Yeah. And, but the biggest sausages that you've <laughs> ever seen... <laughs> Oh, I know, right? And hash browns the size of Montana. <laughs> yeah, what's what's actually more annoying, though, is when they then, you go, oh, can I have some butter? And they charge you for that as well. It's like, oh, come on. Like, who has dry toast? We were, we were talking about, uh, at the housewoman I went to last week, about how McDonald's always, unless you're getting chicken nuggets... Um, if you're getting the chicken nuggets pack, they always give you the sweet and sour sauce. Yeah. But if you're getting it without getting nuggets, they never give you it, but they'll yep. always charge you for it. Yeah. We're on food again. We are. <laughs> Maybe we need another show that's about food. So we, so what were we talking about? We were talking about pizza and Kevin yep. McAllister. Yes, so, and how it's connected to Home Alone. And, and how it's connected. So with the, with the whole pizza thing, yeah, like I would be annoyed if it's like, well, everyone else got their own. Yeah. And then the big bully brother is like, someone else ate it. <laughs> you can have it back. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm just mean. like, yeah, I'm not surprised he got upset. And then he gets grounded for it. Yeah. Oh, man. I think it's meant to make it look so bad so that when he's forgotten, so it's so good. Yeah, and then you're so happy that he has the place to himself and can yeah. do what he wants. And then he ends up getting his pizza. He does. I really want pizza. I've stopped eating pizza, though, because it, it's bloating and it's carbs and empty carbs and stuff like that. It makes me feel really like lethargic after I, I have I, pizza. I wouldn't say I've stopped eating pizza, but I haven't had pizza for a mm. couple of weeks. We should get the... Uh, I, I do genuinely want to try the gluten-free hell pizza. Oh, it's really good. If you get the seeded base, it's actually seeded worth... The, it's worth the three fifty you have to pay okay. for it. Yeah, we'll do that it's sometime. Really good. That sounds good. It does with the garlic bread. Mm. The garlic bread. The gluten-free garlic bread's very good. Oh, I love, man, I love garlic bread. It's so good. So it what is. else does Home Alone tell us about adulthood? That's as far as I got in as the article. As far as you got? I got about halfway. What? <laughs> you, you didn't do <laughs> like, your due diligence. Like, I... I did say, remember, that I did half my research for the that show. Was that was half? Well, no, because I found <laughs> two articles that were quite interesting, but I didn't fully read them or paraphrase them. So it's right. like half the research. Okay. I did the research part, not the rest of it. <laughs> I would have, but we were watching Musketeers. Yes. So in terms of, which is a good show, by the way. Very good yep, show. The BBC version, by uh, the way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, are there other versions? I don't know. I know there's a lot of different movies. Mm-hmm. The only, the only mu- film associated with the Musketeers is, that I've seen is Man in the Iron Mask. Also a good movie. Um, yeah, a lot of people hate on it, but it's it's a fun film. I like it. Uh, it's I unironically enjoy Leonardo DiCaprio. He's a good actor. Some, I like him in most movies. There's been a couple that have been like, oh, really? Wolf, and, Wolf of Wall Street. Man, that was a Titanic performance. I have not seen that one yet. It's on my hard drive to watch I at some I need to watch The Great Gatsby at some point. That's confusing. It's confusing. So awesome. I, I watched the movie, got really confused, mm-hmm. read the book, didn't okay. help much, saw the stage play, took me even more confused to before the movie. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure it's meant to make sense. So take us through The Great Gatsby. What goes on to your understanding? To my understanding, a lot of partying and drinking. <laughs> That's it. So I wasn't. My confusion was whether there was actually a plot in it. Mm. Kind of, as okay. I say, I don't quite understand what I'm meant to be. I wonder following. If, if this is my pretentious psycho. Like, I wonder if it's a commentary on the teen life because that's very often <laughs> what teen life was all about. It was about drinking and partying. Do you, yeah. It, I feel like it might have been a commentary on like <laughs> people who never grow up. Yeah, I was going to say, was, was that the one where he kind of lies about how rich he is and then he gets found out? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, so oh, there's, I, a, there's a really good film. Maybe I guess film. that's the point of it. There's a really good film with Gregory Peck, Peck? Uh, Gre- I think it's Gregory Peck, called The Million Pound Note. The Million Pound Note? Very good film, very funny. It's from like the 70s. Um, yeah, it's a good watch. It's a, it's a very fun intriguing. film. My dad, because uh, whenever I'd go over to his place, he would say, uh, oh, I've got a film that we're going to watch. And I'm just like, all right, I guess we're watching a film today. And he would put it on. And me, in my, you know, self-important brain, I'm like, oh, no film you choose is going to be any. It all, <laughs> even though, contrary to that, all throughout my life, every film that he's been like, hey, you'll enjoy this, I've always enjoyed it. Yeah, my dad has fantastic taste in film. When it comes to like knowing what I would like, yes, absolutely impeccable. Yeah, even like at the beginning, because so, sometimes when I was a kid, I'd be like, "Fine, I'll watch it." Because dad sees it, and then yeah. I end up getting really into it. Yeah, and I can't, 
you know, hold the attitude of like, I don't like this because I don't no. want to like this because I want to be if a it's contrarian. Good, you've got to enjoy it. That's right. And so, yeah, million pound note. It's a lot of fun. It's got, uh, it's got some. Is it like a couple of British comedians in it play these? I think one of them is Peter Cook. You know, there's like Peter Cook and Dudley yep. Moore. I think one of them or both of them play these rich. Uh, these rich bankers or something and they print this million pound note and they give it to Gregory Peck's character <laughs> because they wanted to find a down on his luck sort of person and see what happens. Ooh. Because like they're so rich <laughs> they're so rich and they they are willing to give away this literally million pounds. Yeah, but there's no such thing as a million pounds. It's not worth it. It's not a real thing but of course in yeah. the world of the film they get it specially printed because yeah. they're so absurdly wealthy yeah. that they can afford to have these ridiculous experiments yeah. and they give it to this person and it's like is it a week or is it a year or a month or something at some period of time and they disappear and they come back and they and the deal is that uh if the pound note is still intact and he still has it mm-hmm. then he gets to keep it genuinely yep and it's it's a very good film. If so what you, happens if he like rips it or loses it or something? If he well, it gets like a little beat up, but it's still functional. Yeah. But if he loses it, then he's lost it. Yeah. And the people will come back and be like, oh, oh well. And of course, they're so rich that they're like, oh well, that's a million pounds. Yep. Uh, and this is back in the seventies. So back then, like that's a million worth pounds. A lot holy more. goodness gracious me. Um, I so yeah, it's it's a it's a lot of fun. They've got a a strongman character in there. You know the the old style where um, they lift the bar oh, and it's got the, yes. the spheres on the end. Yeah, but he never says a word the whole film, and it's all facial expression. <laughs> it's very very well acted. Very clever. That sounds cool. Uh, but yeah, really, yeah. <laughs> really fun film. Uh, and it's got some good life lessons, like you know what is the value of money. You know what happens mm. when you put money ahead of um, friends or romance, uh, you know, when you make it your identity and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, when you make it everything that's important yeah. is to do with money, uh, which is kind of where our culture goes, I think. Yeah, that's right. And, of course, you know, that's my uh, that's my super analytical. After I watched the film, I was like, hmm, <laughs> what was the film about? I am but pretty sure as a kid I never did that. I didn't do that as a kid. You don't now. Uh, but I, I definitely do it now while I'm oh. watching it. While we're watching The Musketeers, I, I was mean, doing you, it. Yeah. I was equating it to D&D. <laughs> yeah, you were. And there was I. I was just unpicking stuff and looks like, oh, that's good rolling. <laughs> but no, it was, it, was, it was a good time. Definitely yeah. watch Musketeers. It's, yeah. a good, it's a good series. Feel free to send in what you think everyone alignment is whether they're chaotically good <laughs> neutral etc to see if it matches or with even what Luke send thinks. in what your alignment is oh, and why yeah. what things you do during the day that make you and we will make executive decisions <laughs> on here's, here's an interesting thing about terminology mm-hmm. um, sticking to the literacy thing so what do you think an executive producer is someone that's slightly more important than a producer so they're not they're it's not. weird. I was... Wait, is, are they equal to a producer or less than a producer? They're involved. And that's about it. So I was watching or listening to something and they were talking about um, getting credited on films, TV shows, stuff like that. And you know, you've got the producer, you've got mm-hmm. the director and stuff like that. But then there's the executive producer. And an executive producer is basically someone who gives them a bunch of money to help the project happen. Oh, so like a financer. 
it's like a financer, but they call them an executive producer. Well, it sounds a bit better than it financer. Sound, it sounds more important because that's what people like doing. People like using big words to make them sound more important than yep. they really are. Mm. Yeah. You know how, talking about words, you know how last week I said how I couldn't spell the word spatial? Yes. I looked it up in my dictionary of basic words and it's not in there, which makes me think I don't need to know how to spell it because it's not a basic <laughs> word. So I feel okay. Okay. With so that. you didn't have uh, so you didn't have much spatial awareness of it. It's <laughs> a knee slapper. No, it's not. <laughs> it's a cringe and go. Why it's, am I doing Is it a face show? slapper? <laughs> Boom. It's a face puncher. Yeah. Puncher. Not that we. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> this is Luke, who used to be my friend. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I love puns. They're so much fun. They're not fun, no. They're so much pun. My auntie sent me a sign for my laundry room mm-hmm. that has a pun on it. Okay. Which I don't appreciate. What does it say? So it says washing, loads of fun. Oh. Is <laughs> lying. Washing is not fun, by the way. <laughs> and puns are horrible. They're great. No, they're not. Puns are fantastic. No. It's the ultimate. I, I, I genuinely call it this. It's stupid comedy because it, puns are things that you go, that's so dumb, but you find yourself laughing and smiling about them. I, I generally do not find myself doing the second part. I it's, find myself going, that is it's dumb. Like, it's like, I've made you crack a smile and oh, laugh at some couple, puns. Some puns are okay. But it's like, uh, I think of South Park, the show. I was never a fan of it's, that. South Park is the one show that I always find myself describing as it's such a terrible and stupid show, but I can't stop watching it. The only time I ever watched South Park was when our science teacher didn't want to teach us. <laughs> he had put on South Park, walk out of the room. That was our science class. I remember when um, the Napier siege was happening. Uh, I read about that. We we watched it on TV. We watched the news coverage at school. They hmm. wheeled the um, back when they would wheel in the big old oh, TV. Oh, I remember them wheeling Look it in, and then they'd wheel it in and they'd plug it in, and they'd be like, "Oh, we're missing the cord for yeah. the video to go into the TV." Got to go and call the AV guy. Yeah. And I know there's going to be people who are like, oh, "You we- you guys got a TV wheeled in? We had to go and hire ours from the." <laughs> <laughs> Because, you know, it changes over yes, generations. it does, it does. Because we were talking to, uh, I think it was last week, we were talking about that, like TVs and stuff. Yeah. And uh, one of the one of the women there said, oh, yeah, my, my kid at school, they have, like, huge flat screen TVs installed in, the tel- in this classroom wow. now. And I'm like, man, that's pretty out there because I think back to like my time that would never happen nah. never happen nah, but there's like they... one TV and the teachers had to book it out yeah. or no actually yeah. one of my English teachers got one in her classroom <gasps> like it was wired into the wall like there was like cupboards in front of it yeah but it was wired into the wall <laughs> and then you open up the cupboards and it's like a big presentation <laughs> yeah my I do remember uh, my English class Rebecca Lagos's one <laughs> Uh, there was a TV in the corner mm. and it had cupboards in front of it. Yeah. But in every other... Yeah, every other one they had to wheel every it other in. One that, mostly science. I remember it yeah. being done in science most of all because there were science like mini Math. documentaries and stuff. We had, it, we had it once in math because it was the last day of school and I think we're fifth form. Mm-hmm. So exams were coming up and our teachers... For, for our international viewers, how old are you when you're fifth form? 15 or 16. There you go. Yeah. Um, and it was first year of like the proper exams. Mm-hmm. But I had school C. Everyone below me would have had 
NCA level one. Right. And so our teacher wanted us to have like a fun afternoon, but math orientated. So we all started with, I think it was $500 and she had taped horse racing and you had to obviously bet. I would just leave. And I've got $500, bye. It was fake $500, Luke. <laughs> And the winners got like a bag of candy canes or something. Oh, nice. Who had the most money at the end? That's pretty cool. And I learned it's never worked in real life, mm-hmm. but we put all our money, me and my friend, on the last race on the horse armchair rider because we thought armchair brilliant rider. name. It's a good name. It won, and it was like paying like super good odds, right? Because like, it was not meant to win. So it would have been we one of those made, like sixteen to yeah, one or something. We made so much money. And then the next year we told her brother who had the same teacher to do that uh-huh. and he didn't because he thought that the horse race might have changed. Oh. I think it's a video from like five years ago. I see. So it was all recorded. It was all recorded. I thought it was, um, I thought you were meaning it like uh, oh, the teacher yeah. would, uh, I say roll dice, but no. you know, uh, make up something behind nah, the scenes. No, she had recorded some horse racing like five years ago oh, or I something. See. And yeah, so we told my friend's brother, we're like, oh, put all your money oh, on armchair Because they would have thought that you were trying to mislead them. I, we, I mean, we had renamed him with a girl's name, so that was fair enough. What was the, what was the new name? I can't remember his name, but her little sister we recalled Reginald. Rich. We treated her so badly. <laughs> yeah. Naughty. You're a terrible person. <laughs> I'm better now, I'm older. I'm better now, I'm older. I think. <laughs> All of us are older, not many of us are better. <laughs> I do not pick on little kids anymore. Anymore. I, I generally don't hang out with them, so mm. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> so this is, I want to I finally get this out there because So you've it's got stuff that was yeah, it's, it's. I say it's a few weeks old, but books can't really get well, books can get dated. There are some books that you go, yeah, we shouldn't write them. But in terms of this content, um, they are books that won the uh, 2020 Women's Reading Podcast. Ooh. The podcast is called Women Women Reading. This uh, sounds like a good podcast. And they basically gave out awards. There's a whole bunch of them on there, and they get interviews and stuff. They do all sorts of stuff. Um, it's sourced from lithub.com. They've become sort of like my one-stop yeah, shop. Them and Nerd Daily are my Nerd kind of... Oh, I keep forgetting to follow them. That's so, where my other stories from. Yep. Which... So I follow LitHub on Twitter now, and they post pretty much every day. Oh, sweet. Uh, for anyone who uses Twitter, yep, if you want some cool literacy, uh, yeah. true crime, documentary stuff, go follow them. <laughs> Uh, and they have all sorts of people on, and these are um, the awards that each of the women gave uh, gave for books that they really liked, and they talk about what they thought about it. Oh, nice. Uh, so The Yield by Tara June Winch. I've heard of that one. Oh, okay. It could mm. be the next one that you get from Waduni Books. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, Lou's taking a couple of weeks off Radio Kidnappers, so my wallet will get a little bit of a break. <laughs> We'll get a break. It won't get bigger. It'll just get a break. It'll just get a break. And then when she comes back, we're like, so. Yep. These so books. here's a list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Imagine that, like, she walks in like, morning, I have a list. What? No, hello? List. No, no, I would email her the list because then hopefully she can bring them in with her when yeah. she comes in. Um, still so happy that they managed to get that uh, Haunter of the Dark book. They're so really good that. at finding books that... I've had trouble finding yeah. and then Lou's like oh yeah no nah, no worries yeah, yeah, yeah. he's like wait and she'd be like oh do you want me to bring it in on Thursday I'm like yeah okay because yeah. I'm just thinking what sort of black market underground do you have well I, I mean Gareth is a magician he is a magician so it could have something to do with it uh, you know the great Wardini the great Wardini uh, book him for your kids party uh, so anyway <laughs> 
So Jacqueline of the podcast says of The Yield by Tara June Winch, in itself, it's a real celebration of language. Yay, we love language. Because one of the threads is told through this dictionary of the, I'm going to butcher this, Weta Jury language. It's such a creative and clever way to tell a story and to bring in so many ties and movement within the plot itself. This has been a book that's been very widely celebrated on Australia. Mm-hmm. So I have a feeling that the Weta Jury language is probably to do with one of the Aboriginal tribes. Yeah. Uh, it has won the 2020 Miles Franklin Literary Award, and it was also shortlisted for the Stella Prize, among Ooh. a myriad of other literary awards. And very happily, it is now available in the US, so we're excited to see it, to see more international readers picking up this book and fall in love with it too. The synopsis, uh, for those who don't want to just hear the opinion of it, this is what yep. it's about. A young Australian woman, woman searches for her grandfather's dictionary the key to halting a mining company from destroying her family's home and ancestral land in this exquisitely written, heartbreaking, yet hopeful novel of culture, language, tradition, suffering, and empowerment. That sounds brilliant. Yeah, that sounds super cool. I'm into that. Oh, yeah. That one will probably go on my list. Mm-hmm. Well, I have them all here, so you can, yeah. you can ask about them later. You can email me. Yeah. <laughs> so, The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett. Sumaya says... We follow these characters through some of the most meaningful and life-altering moments and also some of the smaller moments that may not seem significant but contribute to a strong sense of who they are and the world they inhabit. The novel also examines passing or transforming, mainly through race and also through gender and class. This book is on our list because Britt Bennett has written a a compulsive and thought-provoking multi-generational family saga and her storytelling is rich with detail dialogue and dreams it's definitely one of the best books of the year as i'm sure many people will agree because i've seen so many people pick this up it's really nice to see the love that this book has gotten from the community that sounds really nice synopsis once again the vanishing half by Britt bennett twin sisters inseparable as children who ultimately choose to live in two very different worlds one black and one white the vanishing half considers the lasting influence of the past as it shapes a person's decisions, desires and expectations and explores some of the multiple reasons and realms in which people sometimes feel pulled to live as something other than their origins. Hmm. So, sounds like... Because there's there's so many things that say, oh, it's a journey of self-discovery. But this seems like it's two different stories of self-discovery and living in these different communities. Because it says one black and one white. From what, from the information that I read about it, that's literal. One yeah. of the girls goes to live in like a black community. Yeah, and one goes and to live in a white. Lives in a white community, and I think, man, that's a big contrast. Yes. Uh, with I mean, people can deny it all they want. There's a huge difference. Yeah. Huge difference in yep. culture and society yep. and values and yeah. everything like that. Something random. So Salumi, my flatmate in Scotland, mm-hmm. she's French and she's got a twin sister, and so she's got an English accent when she talks mm-hmm. English. Because that's where she went to uni and did right. all that. Her twin sister has a Canadian accent because she went to Canada. And so they, although they look alike, right. whenever they talk to me, it's like, I know which is which because you're Canadian and mm. you're English. But, I mean, they're technically both French. That's pretty cool. But I thought it was, it mm. was really cool. From Canada. <laughs> no, no accents. <laughs> no accents. Uh, there's this, so there's this podcast called Lore Hammer. And they have a, a friend who everyone now calls um, Canadian Steve because they've got two friends named Steve and one of them is Canadian Steve because he's yeah. full Canadian. 
he has the whole like, oh yeah, I, I was driving down the highway and I saw a moosey. Like he's got the full <laughs> everything. And all of the listeners, they just immediately tacked on. And yeah, we call yep. him Canadian Steve now. Oh, I like it. <laughs> uh, so we've got How Much of These Hills is Gold by C. Pam Zhang. Sachi says, so many people had said, it doesn't matter that you don't like Westerns, you're going to like this. And Ooh. I was like, watch me, I'm not going to like it. I like Westerns. And I remember No, no, I like good Westerns. I remember you've talked about uh, World War II novels mm. where your brother tells you, no, 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 you will like this one because you usually don't like... <laughs> no, did I tell you, I said the last one, I read the back of it. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, this sounds awesome. My brother's like, you're not going to like it. Right. So that made me want to like it. <laughs> Being a contrarian. <laughs> and of course, he was right. I yep. struggled through quarter right. of it and I was like, oh, damn it. Because there was also that other one that we talked about uh, the other week called damn it, what was it called? The Paper Dollars or something like that? And it was about uh, two Jewish women oh, in yeah. Nazi Germany uh, or in Nazi-occupied France or something where they were re- part of the resistance mm. movement. That sounds like a hell of a book. Oh, yeah. Uh, so she said, uh, I picked it up and not even got halfway through, and I was like, oh, this is so incredible. Uh, she says, this really, really exceeded my expectations. I think part of that is because Asian-Americans are very much lost and forgotten in the Western genre. And if I would you put agree. Them, yep. And if you put them in the centre of a story and you really feature their experiences, because in case anyone doesn't know, Asian people did exist in the American West in eras like the Gold Rush. When you put their stories in the centre of a narrative, it turns out I really like it. Hmm. That, that's pretty good praise, really. Yeah. And so if, uh, if that didn't tell you what it was about, the synopsis of How Much of These Hills is Gold by C. Pam Zhang is set against the twilight of the American gold rush, two siblings are on the run in an unforgiving landscape, trying not just to survive, but to find a home. Ba dies in the night, Ma is already gone, newly orphaned children of immigrants, Lucy and Sam are suddenly alone in a land that refutes their existence. I think a lot of people these days can... Yeah. Can, uh, what's the word? Resonate with that kind of experience. Yeah. As much as I would like to think I would have thrived in a gold rush era, I don't think I would have. Mm, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have. I'm, I'm not built for manual labour and hard work. <laughs> I, I know it sounds really, I don't know, like prissy of me, right. but my body would not handle no. it. Yeah, it's, it's totally fine. Everyone's got different body bad. types. Like, I could do it, but I'd hate it. And I'll, I'd probably give up at some point. I would be that one we that would, would just very sit yes. down and just be like, oh, I'm so tired. <laughs> And then I'd still just be sitting there, like hours later. <laughs> what what occupation do you think you would thrive in in the in the Western in the Gold Rush era? I don't. Know. I reckon you'd be like a tavern owner. You'd be you'd that. be the one where people say, oh, "I'm I'm going to go take on this guy in the tavern." It's like, no, 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 don't go to Jill's one. She'll throw you out. Don't don't mess with Jill's tavern. I could do that. Do I get a gun? Oh yeah, everyone had guns. <laughs> I, I, I do like the outfits they had back then, like the it, massively awesome yeah, skirts yeah. and we were talking about it when stuff. we were watching Musketeers. Yeah, uh, and you know, obviously that wasn't Wild West, but that was sixteenth, um, fifteenth century France. Sixteen thirties, so technically what the seventeenth century? Seventeenth oh, century. Damn, it's the other way around. I am so confused. It, I always, yeah, I I always think that fifth that the century is the second number is the uh, decade. Yeah. Uh, under, but it's the other way around. Yeah. yeah so 17th century France, um, their outfits were so cool. The musketeers so cool. ones. Um, I like how it was all done considering they didn't have any zips. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, it's it all just, straps and belts. Yeah, it just adds an extra level of, I guess, thought. The designing yeah. brain in my the head zip goes. The zip is a very modern design. I think it, it was. it's like an 1800s thing. Yeah, and um, like, because with all the buckles and buttons, you had to assume someone could put it on themselves. Yes, Unless that's right. you're the king or the queen. Well, they had to as well. Yeah. They, they just had to. You had to learn how to do it. Yeah, and so when you're designing that sort of stuff, you have to think about where can you reach with mm. both hands because sometimes you need two Although hands. Although that is why knights had squires. They Ooh, had squires yeah. to put their stuff on. For the musketeers, of course, we see... Yeah, they would have helped each other. Of course it's dramatised, but, you know, you can see them putting their own yeah. stuff on. But in real life, there's, like, uh, D&D. There are rules for donning and doffing yes. your armour. Doffing your armour takes, like, a, a minute, like a full minute, because yeah. you've got all these you straps take it all and buckles off. and stuff that you've got to take on. Putting on a full set of plate mail, that oh, yeah. takes a long time. I remember... It's, it's ten minutes, by the way. For, for D and D, for putting on armor, it takes ten minutes. Remember, somewhere in the UK, in a museum, there is a piece of chainmail that you can pick up. Oh, it's oh my gosh! It's I have a new heavy. appreciation for knights because there's no way I could not only wear that but fight in it. But you, now you know why they got so tired so quickly. Yeah, I'm pretty sure their swords were super heavy too. They were. Uh, when we were at, in Scotland, we went to the Wallace Monument. In, uh, I think that is that Stirling or Edinburgh? I think yeah. it's Stirling. We'll say Stirling because I don't remember it. Um, and there was a guy there all dressed up in the full armour and everything. And I, as a little 12 year old Luke, yeah. uh, got to hold a, I don't think it was a claymore, I've never been a, but it was like a broadsword. Yeah. And I tried, they were taking a picture, there's a picture of me with it somewhere. And I tried to hold, because he was holding like a sword with one hand. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be cool like him, I'm going to hold. <laughs> it, it drooped at the end. I had tried to hold it there, but my wrist just was like, oh. Yeah, nope. <laughs> They're heavy, man. Super yeah. heavy. I tried to put on in Scotland, so I think it was Aberdeen in their museum. They have awesome interactive museums over there, by the way. Mm. I loved it. Um, I tried to put on one of their, like, the full kilt dresses that, you know, that big, long stretch of fabric yes. that you kind of pleat up and you put on and then, like, mm-hmm. almost like a sari, but not quite. Right. The end result was nothing like the picture that it was meant to be, <laughs> and I swear I followed the instructions perfectly. <laughs> Uh, Didn't go well. No, nah, it's it's a real hassle to do. I, I do still want to go to like a Ren Fair though. Oh yeah. We have a medieval club in Hawke's Bay, I think. I have two medieval dresses if you oh, ever need cool. company. Oh, I'd love to wear a corset. <laughs> I have a corset, but it wouldn't fit you, I'm sorry. Yeah, no. Not many <laughs> articles of clothing fit me. <laughs> not many of mine would. Um, so, uh, moving on to oh, yeah. Even As We Breathe by Even Annette Saunuk Clapsaddle. It sounds like it should be a psychological thriller. Even as we breathe. I'm watching you. I'm watching you. I always feel like... (laughs) (laughs) It's a karaoke section, guys. (laughs) Uh, Kendra says of this, As an Appalachian person, I'm always seeking out new books from Appalachia, and I'm always looking for that sense of place and the beautiful storytelling traditions in Appalachian literature. You can definitely see that in in this book, and the way that Clapsaddle ha- handles the storytelling, the writing, the way that she talks about her own heritage as an Indigenous woman. I'm just so impressed by this debut novel. I think she is, really is a stellar voice in, a- in Appalachian literature and in literature in general. And I cannot wait to see what she writes next. Ooh. The synopsis of uh, Even As We Breathe is 19-year-old Kauni Sequoia yearns to escape his hometown of Cherokee, North Carolina, in the heart of the Smoky Mountains, 
when a summer job at Asheville's luxurious Grove Park Inn and Resort brings him one step closer to escaping the hills that both cradle and suffocate him, he sees it as an opportunity. And so we were talking about World War II. Why does anyone want to leave small... I mean, I get it. I wanted to leave my hometown yep. very desperately, but you miss it when you've left. <laughs> well, this one, uh, the the time period that it's set in, it's set during World War II, huh. with the resort serving as a home for Axis diplomats and families who are all prisoners of war. Oh, wow. So if the initial synopsis didn't interest you, maybe that will. Yeah, uh, I think my brother should buy it. Because there are certain storylines that I read, and it's and I think, I'm not really interested in that. But if... if if certain storylines were set during World War II, mm. I immediately take an interest because that whole era interests me, uh, mainly because of the stories that my grandmother would tell me because she was in England during World War II. Yeah. The Blitz, Battle of Britain, everything. I like I like World War II, but if I'm looking at pictures or whatever, I go World War One because I like biplanes. Yeah, biplanes, yeah, yeah. super cool. World if anyone has one they don't want anymore, as, take it off your hands. As a as a huge tech enthusiast, uh, anything like innovation, I quite like World War One because that's when the tank arrived, the yeah. mechanization of warfare. Yeah, uh, hu- huge. When you think of world changing events. Most people think of World War Two, but World War One is when mechanization of combat yeah. happened. Yeah. Uh, the trenches. You you oh, could they did no, not sound good. You could no longer really charge across a battlefield because a machine gun's gonna cut you down. Yeah. So they were in trenches. It yep. changed everything. Yep. Uh, and then World War Two sort of exacerbated that uh, where it led to the development of like the the atom bomb mm. and nuclear weaponry and yeah. things like that. I just think like World War One. Like, have you got any pilot, fighter pilot these days, and said, "Oh, by the way, you're going up in an aeroplane made of wooden fabric." That's right. They're gonna go. Uh, no, right. absolutely. No. Yep. Yeah, but I mean, they did back they then. Did. Uh, Red Baron. Yep. Red Baron did it, and all of the other aces. Um, yep. Hats off to them. That oh, I know. must have been with some of the most harrowing experience. Anyone who yeah. who is or was in, involved in any kind of war. Yeah. Uh, I can never do that. No. Not brave enough. I'd break immediately. I, yeah. I think, I, I think I'd be all right for a little bit, like a I, day. I don't think I would. I don't, <laughs> I think I'd like get to where I could hear the guns and then I'd just start like garing and like hiding and be like, nope, and nope, that's, that's what no. Happened, that's what happened and happens to a lot yeah. of soldiers when, you know, training is one thing, but as soon as you get onto the battlefield. Yeah, and it's actual people. Yep. That's and, not cool. And it's live fire. Yep. Where you're just like, yeah, if I peek my head around that corner, that could be it. Yeah, it's like it's not a paintball or a nothing. Like, it's right. not going to just like leave a little bit of a mark. It's yeah. actually going to yep. have consequences. And what's worse, it might hit you and then you won't die and you're just in an yeah. excruciating pain. Or you might just like lose a leg or something when you stand you, on a mine. You'd want someone to do to you what they did to Porthos and Musketeers. <laughs> just like, hey, bam, yep. knock you out while they, yep. you know, look the, after their you. Their version of anaesthetic, if anyone's wondering. <laughs> Was punching... To knock out. Yeah, I, I think they did it for good reasons because I can't imagine Porthos being a good patient no, while Aramis very, is sewing him up. Very emotion driven person. Yes. Which we saw in that third episode. We did. Which, I mean, fair income dumb. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I would have been quite emotionally Absolutely. charged in that episode. Particularly with, with the history that he has. Yeah. We won't spoil it because go watch that go series. Watch it. It's so good. So we have next up Girl, Woman, Other. By Bernadine Everista. I think I've heard of that one. Jacqueline says of this, 
It's a celebration of how diverse identity itself can be, particularly exploring black identity in Britain. One of the things that I heard in an interview with Everesto was that she describes her work as a fusion fiction because of this overlapping style and the way that she incorporates more poetic writing and has this overlapping flow to her work that's not in short stories or interconnected stories that make sense. It is a novel, but she plays with sentence structure and punctuation in such a creative way. I want to know what the creative way is, by the way. Yeah. So I want to read this book. Well, not the only reason. Uh, she says, for example, there's no full stops, so there's a real distinct flow ah. to her work that I think readers will connect with. Which immediately I think, I mean, hopefully she did it better than Lovecraft did. That, make, <laughs> that makes me think that it's a book that you have to read, not find an audiobook version That's of. That's right, absolutely. Because it sounds like it's written like poetry, yeah. in uh, which you need to read it in your yeah, yeah. Flow. In your own voice. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the synopsis of it, for those who want to know that. There are 12 central characters, and the book is, quote, a magnificent portrayal of the intersections of identity and a moving and hopeful story of an interconnected group of black British women that paints a vivid portrait of the state of contemporary Britain and looks back to the legacy of Britain's colonial history in Africa and the Caribbean. Hmm. Uh, so if you want to read a book like hmm. that, uh, particularly... From the title, that should tell you its target yep. audience, I think. Yep. Although, uh, I, I, girl, woman, other, um, I heard this great piece of information from this guy who does YouTube videos and someone said, um, you always say that reading is a really important thing to do. Uh, what books are the most worth reading? And he, off the cuff, he just said, all of them. Yep. All books are worth All reading. Books. Even books you don't necessarily enjoy, there's the odd one that's yep. worth wading your way there's through. There's something you'll take away from it. And yeah. some books may be, I didn't like it. But yeah. other books like this book, I can see myself taking a lot away yeah. from it. And, so, and some books anger you so much you throw them across a room. <laughs> but you will keep thinking about them. Like they, they yeah. You may not like them, yeah. but they have resonated with you in a way. That's right. So we've yep. got Against the Loveless World by Susan Abulawa. I, I'm, I'll probably... I'm not going to quote you on that yeah, I Yeah. Good I, attempt. I, I do my best. I've got good communication skills, but I'm not <laughs> I'm not 100% on every, uh, every culture's language. So Sumaya says of this, if I had to sum up why this book is on our shortlist, I'd say it's because of the powerful scope of her work. Susan Abulhawa goes in deep to explore the life of one Palestinian woman, her fight for herself, her fight for her family, and for the Palestinian nation. There's profound strength in Nars, N-A-H-R, that's mm -hmm. the name of the character, character because she's up against powerful forces, yet she shows grit and determination and also great dignity in the face of, a, of adversity. She's a fierce, unstoppable woman who's fighting against multiple systems of oppression, from misogyny and patriarchy to violent oppression and genocide. Whew. And so the synopsis, if you, know, if you didn't already know what it was, as Nara sits, locked away in solitary confinement, she spends her days reflecting on the dramatic events that landed her in prison in a country she barely knows. Born in Kuwait in the 70s to Palestinian refugees, she dreamed of falling in love with the perfect man, raising children, and possibly opening her own beauty salon. The only thing she's got wrong there is perfect men. Perfect man. There's no perfect man. There might be a perfect for you. Well, that's, that's the thing, you know. It's yeah. from the character's perspective. She wants the perfect man. Yeah. 
But objectively, yes, you're right. Yeah. No, Everyone's got flaws of some kind. It's flaws. just whether you can work with and them. And that's what makes them interesting. That's what it makes is. people interesting is their flaws, which is why I always make sure that my players in D&D have some sort of flaw yes. that holds them back uh, so that there can be character conflict. Character conflict. What's, so we saw a lot of it in Musketeers. We did. What, in, in books or movies or TV shows, what sort of character coming up against character have you enjoyed reading about or watching or hearing about the most? Are you putting me on the spot now? <laughs> yes, I am. I'm trying to think. <laughs> Saturday, guys, come on. It is Saturday. Uh, um, well, I mean, it's any day. It's any day. It's, it's, it oh, yeah, it's, it's, day any, it is. it's any day. It's that day. The weather is Yeah, the weather's outside. doing its thing. It is out, the weather is outside. Yep. That's correct. It's doing its thing. Um, it's not frightful at all. <laughs> um, not in fact, it's quite delightful. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, I promised. Um, <laughs> we so, we lasted like 52 minutes. <laughs> I'm proud of us. Good for us. <laughs> um, I think I I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I'd call it conflict, but mm. the characters that I like most are the ones that like bounce off each other and. Yeah have, I don't know, like witty comments and stuff. They're not obviously picking on the other one. Yeah. They're having a bit of but fun they and a, they bounce a bit back of ripping, Yeah, bit of they've just got a good rapport going. So for, this is going to be, I, I feel like I'm saying this because it might be more relatable to modern times. So in the Marvel films, you've got um, Captain America and Iron Man. Captain America bugs me. Captain, oh, oh yeah, tell really me more. Bugs me. I'm interested. It's just not fun. Like, he could be doing so much cool stuff and he's just like, meh, meh, meh. <laughs> what kind of meh, meh, meh does he do? It's a Loki's my favourite character. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, um, which is why I have not watched Endgame yet. Right. Because they kill him at the start of the one before that. And I'm still pissed about that. But is he alive? See, that's what Mark keeps saying. And now Mark has shipped me he Endgame might be alive. to make me watch it. Is he in Endgame? Who knows? Well, I, I don't want to watch it because what if he's not? So, maybe. Like, I can Who pretend knows? he is if I don't watch it. It is a good film. I'd very much like to watch it with you when you do watch it. Yeah. Right. Um, we'll, get, we'll get snacks and stuff. <gasps> snacks. I love snacks. Snacks. And that's when we'll have pizza. Yes. yes. So, uh, and we can do that any time this week as well, because um, I'm done. That is something that I will say. I am done for the next two weeks. I'm done with work, annual leave, hooray. I can just relax for the next couple of weeks. I'm so happy. He can bring me smoothies while I'm at work. And I have already said that I'm going to, so I can't exactly not. Yeah, and it's not like I'm being rude saying that, because he's already (laughs) said he will. (laughs) I, 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 I value my word. Yes, which is one of the thing, which is one of the values that my cyberpunk character that I Ooh. made for the tabletop game. Does not the, your cyberpunk character have pink, green, or purple hair? I haven't decided that yet. Oh, his got, name it's got to have cool coloured hair. His name is Ajax. Ajax. That is the the street name that I've gone with. Ajax is a character on Doctor Doctor. If you're interested, oh, okay, because uh, I quite like the name mm. Ajax. It's like it a, makes me think of cleaning products, of course. <laughs> uh, but I think of uh, I think of it because I'm very into like Greek mythology and stuff, oh, and I yep. think of Ajax like yeah, that's a good name. Yeah, uh, and he uh, let's see what's his backstory. He grew up in an arcology, which is like um, it's like it's a corporation controlled 
um, huge structure and it has everything that a normal city has in it, but it's like a big self-contained thing. Hmm. I rolled, because you roll the dice for certain things in your life to see yep. how it turned out. He has seven siblings. Seven. Four sisters, three brothers. That's quite a few. Um, one of them likes him. One of them is neutral towards him. Does he know which one likes him? Uh, we haven't figured that out yet. We were okay. only making them last night. Yeah. Uh, but his other five siblings... Um, I think two of them hate him and three of them dislike him. Wow. So, because this is what I find fun about character building, because I was like, okay, so I live in an arcology um, and my whole family lives there. And one of the things that I rolled for was that my parents are alive, but the family status is in danger. There's something that happened and it's that we are involved in either like a crime family or a conspiracy. And I said, well, if we live in a, in a corporation-controlled arcology, um, what if it's, like, Militech? They make, like, military weapons and stuff in, yep. the, in the world of, of cyberpunk. Uh, and so what if one of our family members, or we all, like, someone witnessed something to do with the corporation that they oh. shouldn't have? And now the corporation has them under their thumb, yeah. like, until we know we can trust you, you're ours. Yeah. You work for us now. And of course, in brackets... And they'll never let you off that. Of course, in brackets, it says, which is, of course, never. Yeah. <laughs> they're never yeah. going to say, oh, yeah, we trust you now. Yeah, they're never going to go, here, you guys because can go away. Because they, they have this dirt on us and they, you know, mega corporations, they rule the world. So when they say we control you, you basically have mm. to say, okay. Yeah. If you so, want to keep going and yeah. living and whatever. So Ajax is a corporate enforcer. He's been okay. taught military. He's How got military old is training. Ajax? He is so. You, uh, what you do? You roll two d six, two yep. six sided dice. So for anyone who might be confused by that, you know you've played Monopoly. They're normal dice. It's, it's one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you roll dice in Monopoly. Um, yeah. Yeah, huh. to see how many spaces you move. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, which is, I had to think about it for a moment because I'm I'm now used to tabletop games where you're rolling it all the time. Yeah. But in Monopoly, you only do it once a turn. Yeah. Uh, I haven't so, played Monopoly for a while. Yeah, don't. It's not worth <laughs> it's it. It's horrible. My tabletop games are way cooler. My um, Monopoly normally goes with me trying to get bankrupt as soon as possible so, so I can So that you leave. don't have to play. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, I'm out. See you guys. It's okay. We'll save you. No, don't bail me yeah, out. It's like, no, don't give me a mortgage. So uh, so you roll two, two six-sided dice and then yep. you add that result to 16. Yeah. Because you start at 16 years old and then you add the 2d6 uh -huh. to it. So he's 20 years old. And then you roll. That to was see not the greatest rolling. No, it wasn't. <laughs> so then you roll uh, to see what happened at age 17, 18, 19, 20, in yeah. my case. So on, at age 17, I got into a happy relationship. Uh, so hooray for Ajax. Yeah. Uh, and then. Did it last? Uh, well, that's, it doesn't say if it did or not, so you can okay. make that decision. So I'm like, yeah, all right, yeah. 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 Uh, teen love, you yeah. know, that sort of thing. And then at age 18, I got the nothing happened. That's not bad. Nothing substantial happened. And then at the age of 19, um, you're, you had a relationship, but there was something that happened. Ooh. And it's that uh, the, the partner's family and friends hate you. Oh. And then at age 20, I can't remember what I got at age 20. So what we did was uh, the DM, who is very, he's very in tune with everything that goes on. He said, okay, so the... Uh, Ajax's and he said, and I just said, yeah, girlfriend. He's got a girlfriend. That's fine. Yep. Uh, I'm not too picky about that sort of thing. Uh, and he said, okay, so she is from the mega corporation Arasaka, 
which or Arisaka, which is a big Japanese corporation. Yeah. And so he said, so it's basically it's like a Romeo and Juliet situation. Ooh. And I said, oh, so at the age of seventeen, he met her. Age eighteen, he was like, we've got to lay low. Yeah. So nothing happened. And then and nineteen, age 19 they, find they out. figured it out. But he said, because it never says anything about you guys breaking up, at age 20, when, you, when we start playing, you've got a girlfriend. Yeah, You're, so she could appear in and stories. And she could appear. Uh, or she might get killed. Or Ooh. something might happen that I'm like, I have to go and rescue her from her terrible mega corporation parents. I like it. So, and, and Arasaka is, because it's Romeo and Juliet, because Arasaka we and... Like 10 seconds left. Yeah, and uh, Militech hate each other. So, hmm. you know. But anyway, that's a study in literacy for yep. today. That's all we've got time for. Thanks so much for joining us, everyone. Take care. This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a community access media station. Thank you to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible.